because you responded, I'll believe the mic is on. Uh, I want to thank you for being here today and for your prayers. I want to excuse the huge bottle of water that I have brought up with me. I forgot to bring a small one that was less obtrusive. Um, during this past week, I had a young friend of mine asking me some questions about relationships and dating and things of that nature. And as I was giving him answers, he said that, you know, I guess that probably was true in your generation. You know, I never really considered myself to be old-fashioned. However, today I'm standing before you with paper in my hands and a tie on. And so I, I think it's quite possible that I have arrived. So what I want you to know is there is some good news in getting older, though. I remember, I think it was yesterday, when my wife and I got married. I was about to turn 35. And I can remember coming to church and listening to this particular passage of Proverbs about rejoicing in the wife of your youth and feeling kind of old at that time. I, I was really kind of feeling a little badly that maybe I was going to miss out on something. You know, I wasn't going to be able to rejoice in the wife of my youth. Thirty years have passed. I see youth with way different eyes. And I see how blessed I am to be able to rejoice in the wife of my youth. And I look forward to many more years of that rejoicing. And that's the essence of what the message is about today. How do we have that kind of rejoicing go on in our relationships? Now, this is talking husband and wife. I'm going to be talking about all of our relationships. For those of you that are married, I hope you get to rejoice as I rejoice. For those of you that may someday be married, I hope you get to rejoice as I rejoice. For those of you who that may not be what God has for you, that is totally okay. There is much to rejoice in. God has a purpose for our singleness as well as our being married. The question is, do we know it? The question is, what is our relationship like, not just with our wife, but with our God? So I'm going to need your help with an object lesson for today. And the help, I'm, I'm in hopes, is not going to be too difficult. I had the choice. It was ask for your help or come up here and look as though I was going to do a science experiment. Because there are things involved and this would be quite a display. So to begin with, I'd like you to imagine, possibly it's a kitchen setting, I'd like you to imagine that you have a glass mixing bowl that you can see through so that you're able to see the ingredients that you place into this glass mixing bowl. The mixing bowl is going to represent your life, your body. So in that glass mixing bowl, I'd like you now to imagine you have this very large Okinawan sweet potato, which happens to be rated as like one of the top 10 superfoods because of its high nutritional value. You're going to take that sweet potato and put it in your mixing bowl. It will fit. It's a large potato, but it's going to fit. 
Now what I'd like you to do, and hopefully I'm not stretching your imagination too much, is I'd like you to imagine now taking maybe a couple walnuts, or maybe more, depending on the size of your mixing bowl, and I want you to start pouring in those walnuts around the sweet potato. Walnuts happen to be an exceptionally high uh, nutritional value for our heart. They're a heart-healthy food. And they're going to re represent things that are of value in your life. So we got a bowl that's filled with Okinawan sweet potato and a whole bunch of walnuts. But I'd like you to take some uncooked rice and I'd like you to start pouring it into the bowl. As I'm hoping you can imagine, that rice can fit in around the sides of the walnuts and kind of move it around a little bit. The rice will settle in. And that rice, which happens to be a staple food eaten by over half of the world's population, represents the busyness of our lives. I know this seems like a very full bowl, but work with me here. I'd like you to take maybe a small little cup of sugar, and I'd like you to go back to your bowl and start to pour the sugar in and shake the bowl a little and pour the sugar in and shake the bowl a little and pour it. And you'll see, you can get some sugar in there because it's going to fit in there around the kernels of the rice and the walnuts. And sugar does have some nutritional value, not a whole lot, but some and, and what it represents are the casual pleasures that we have in our lives. Unfortunately, what happens to many people is they are so filled with the busyness and seeking relief from the busyness and the casual pleasures that they fill their bowls quickly with that at the beginning of their day. Busyness and casual pleasures. They've left out the most important, the most nutritious, the most valuable aspects of what they needed. And as day after day goes by, the stresses start to build up more and more. And they start to realize, you know, I think I could take a can of soda and kind of pour it in there and, and it would still fit. And it does. Kind of soaked up. And soda has absolutely no nutritional value for you whatsoever. But what it does is it shows you the things that we're really that we're willing to do to feel better at any cost. So here's the lesson. The lesson is you need to intentionally put in your life, in your bowl the things that are most important to you every day. You need to intentionally include those things that are of value to you every day. You need to be sure that you know that you have what you need because the busyness will be there. Casual pleasures are easy to find. But if you go the other way, you're going to have a very full bowl that's very unfulfilling. And you're going to know you're missing out on something. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, 
We thank you for all the provisions that you have made for our lives. Your amazing grace, your love for each one of us, your desire for relationship with each one of us, we thank you, Lord. We ask you, Lord, to help us. Help us now as we go into your word to see the value of your word in pointing us in the right direction. Help us, Lord, to see the value of having the Holy Spirit in each one of our hearts and lives guiding and, and directing us to live lives that honor you. Help us, Lord, to know that your Son, Jesus Christ, is the answer that we need to any question that we have. Help us, Lord, please. Relationship is important to you and you have shown us that as your son taught us all how to pray to get closer to you, to understand you better. And so we do pray as we together would say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. If you were to try to pick a single word to describe the Christian life, I'd like to suggest that word might be relationships. This is not one of the verses that I had. I'm going to have a few verses I'm going to be using that you won't see on the board. But if, if we look at what Jesus had to say about relationships and we look at how Jesus wanted to point us to our most important relationship with God the Father, he said in Matthew 22, verse 37 and 38, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. But very quickly after that, in verse 39, he notes the importance of one's relationship with their fellow man. And a second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's what I'd like to offer as my evidence today of what is at the heart of our Christian life and therefore what is needed in the heart of our Christian relationships. These weeks we have been so blessed be able to come up and cover for Pastor Randy during a time that he's on family medical leave. It's been a blessing because we are able to give him the time that's needed for him to be a full-time husband, a full-time daddy, in a time when his wife, Brittany, so deeply and desperately needs to be able to heal from surgery. 
surgery that by the grace of God we have available now so that, wow, what a blessing. We're going to get to look forward to enjoy a life with Scarlet. <laughs> it wasn't for God blessing us with the wisdom to know these things about cesarean section kind of surgery. Wouldn't have happened. So thank you, those of you that have kept them in your prayers. Please continue to keep them in your prayers. Brittany's healing. God's miracle allows the healing. God's miracle allowed the surgery. God's miracle allowed that even though there were issues with Scarlett when she was born, God's miracle will be continuing to surface and we'll see it as she will heal because we're confident. Continue to keep them in your prayers. So as you're maybe part of those who are involved with bringing meals to them, Understand you're doing Brittany a huge favor that Pastor doesn't have to cook. Uh, you're doing Pastor a favor too, but Brittany doesn't have to eat what Pastor's cooking. And it is such a blessing what we are doing as a congregation and demonstrating to the world what does a really healthy relationship look like. Putting the needs of someone else above our own. What a blessing that is. That's what's involved in relationships. And we're doing that. How wonderful. We talk the golden rule, treat others the way you want to be treated. Jesus said it real clearly, Matthew 7, verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. This is the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets. Well, that's why 1,500 years before that, God inspired Moses to write in Leviticus 19:18, "You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord." Okay, there's the heart of relationships. I am the Lord. That's like the Valentine to beat all Valentines. I am the Lord. So we have a series going on right now, and our series is called Life Together, and my part today is Relationship Without Reconciliationship. And as, as you look at that title and you go, this, 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 I think there's something wrong there. Well, you're right. There's no such word as reconciliationship. However, I chose the rhyme, hopefully to help make a point. And I hope that you're going to see that as we go on. Now, you may also have recognized there's something wrong there because how do you have a relationship if you're not reconciling? How do you relate and not reconcile? Well, you're right. You can. Therein lies what we're going to be talking about today. So I'm in hopes that you all have in your bulletin the outline the verses that are in the outline, I'm in hopes I got to people in time to be able to have show up as we go over them. If not, please don't fault them. That's on me. Okay. Uh, and remember, I'm going to come up with a few that aren't there. But if it's in your outline, I'm in hopes it gets to be on the screen. But what I'd like to do is go to part one. Where do we begin? Where do we begin? And we begin in the beginning. To get all the background for the first relationship, 
it would seem most appropriate that we start in Genesis 1. Now, before you panic and think we're going to see all of these verses of Genesis, no, it's not going to happen. Okay, Genesis 1, I'm going to give you my cliff notes of the Reader's Digest translation of Genesis 1. So this is going to be really condensed. In the beginning, God, and I'm going to stop there because I want you to get, get the sense that when it comes to relationships, we just got a huge clue of how relationships work. So, back to the cliff notes. In the beginning, God created a formless dark earth with day and night and said it was good, day one. God created sky above the waters and space beyond and said it was good, day two. It's going to go pretty fast, guys. God created dry land, seas, vegetation, and fruit and said it was good, day three. God created the sun, moon, stars, planets, and seasons and said it was good, day four. God created all the living creatures in the seas and air and said it was good, day five. We're almost there. God created all the creatures on land, making man and woman in his image to rule over the earth, blessed them, and said, it was very good. Day six. If you would, allow me to jump now. I'm going to go to 1 John first, chapter 4, verse 19. We love because he first loved. People who have known me long and definitely men who have been in the groups that I've been involved with to help them with their relationships know that I'm a big believer in leadership by example and boy, did God ever just set the perfect example. He provided for our every need before we ever showed up. If you think of what you go through when you're going to have a house guest, I'm sure you do a wonderful job you might even go out and purchase some things you didn't have before. God created everything we would need. God gave us the atmosphere that we would need to be breathing. God gave us the land that we needed to be on. God gave us the food all around us that we would be eating. And before the fall, we weren't eating meat. We were vegetarians. I'm not a vegetarian, by the way. But we were vegetarians and loving it. Because everything was good. Everything was perfect. What a blessing. And so God has done all of this, and then he brings us in. And when he brings us in, we try to be nice when we have guests come and visit us. I'm sorry. Garden of Eden honeymoon suite, that's what he gave Adam and Eve. And, and it's not for a long three-day weekend. They get residence for life. And then he blessed them. And then he checked it out and said, it's very good. And then he rested. Boy, did God love us. How easy it was for us to love God. And for God to be loving us back. 
and the harmony that we have in that relationship that began because God loved us first. And we just kept it going. Beautiful. How beautiful. How beautiful. If that was the end of the outline. Now we're in part two. Where do we go wrong when we zig? Genesis 3, 9 to 13, verse 15. But the Lord called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. God points to the future. I will put enmity between you, the serpent, Satan, and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head. He shall crush you, Satan. You will bruise his heel. Life will be difficult because you'll be around, but you won't be around for long. When we look at what happened in the garden, we look at what was going on prior to the temptation that the serpent introduced. What we see is we have a relationship with God where we love God. And in our relationship of loving God, we know he loves us. This is just going good. The only reason there was a shift is because in some way, somehow, we started thinking, well, maybe God didn't love us enough to let us have this. Really? Sun, moon, stars, planets, atmosphere. Apple? How sad. How human. How we can all think like that. And that's where Adam thought. But the problem is the thought is not what caused the problem. The temptation, the desire, is not what caused the problem. It was the acting on the thought. It was the acting on the desire is what caused the problem. So even though they're quick to point to each other, and Adam really wanted to point out that Eve, you know, as we may have our Eves in our lives, that we want to say, she's far from faultless. God was quick to point out that Adam, me, I'm fully responsible for what I did. And by my taking that desire and doing exactly what God told me not to do, it's not shame on me, it's sin. And in sin, that's the reason why when God came to visit Adam just to say, hi, Adam's like, man, I'm scared. God's coming. Because, you see, if we were just full-on loving each other, I have no reason to be afraid when there's love, but I'm not loving. I'm thinking about me. I'm taking my eyes off of where my love needed to be, and I've put my eyes on my desires. 
and I've now allowed them to fill my heart, to control my deeds. I've now sinned. So I have reason to be afraid of God. We need to be very cautious not to allow our desires to go cross-purpose with God's design. James chapter 1, verses 13 to 15. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. That's all coming from within us. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. And so then what we find ourselves doing is we panic. And in our panic, we do all the things that are now focused on us. Because I'm focused on me in my panic. I need to focus on God. I need to think about Him in my panic. But we didn't. We asked for no forgiveness. We, God saw no repentance. We didn't. Well, nobody wants that death option. But many of us are still pretty caught up in us. So what you see happening is many people trying to do what God wants them to do their way, in their will, for their good. And that's what we see in Matthew 7, verse 21 to 23. Jesus is saying, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we did not, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name. And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Like, but I, I did all these things just the way Jesus said to do them. I, I, I did it right. I, I know I did it. And, and I said in Jesus' name, I, I know I did the right things. Yeah, for me, I, I really want to do the right things. For me, I really don't want God upset with me for me. I'm not trying to glorify God. I just don't want God upset with me. God wants us to know how much he loves us. God has no desire to be upset with us. Do you believe? Or are you deceived that there is something that you could do that would get God to love you better? Look what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 3. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. He's pointing to people who have done 
He talks about, you know, it's hard for the rich man to get into heaven. Oh, how hard. Well, I'll give everything away to the poor. They've got great needs. I'll just give it all away. That's a right thing to do. Well, if God has put it on your heart to do that, and if you're doing that so that God gets the glory and you are so grateful to the Lord for allowing you the... That's a relationship with God that sounds like you're doing okay. But the problem with this person, this person had no love. This person was not concerned with anybody except this person. That's the problem here. They had no love. They even went so far as to surrender their body to be burned. They died in their minds, in the words they would tell the world, for the Lord. But they had no love for the Lord. Their love was for themselves. They wanted to do the right thing for themselves. I don't know everyone who is here today. But there was a day almost 20 years ago when a young man came from the back of the church and came forward to let us know that he'd been a phony. He'd been coming here doing all the right things, saying all the right things, going to Sunday school, singing praises to the Lord, thanking us for our prayers for his children, did all the right things for all the wrong reasons. He realized he had never given his heart to Jesus. And when he did, when he was broken, his life changed. He had a relationship with the risen Lord a real one every day. His life changed. That man who had a wonderful life serving as he served in high school as a teacher, that man turned a new corner in his life in serving and is now Pastor Ron Young. Loving the Lord. Sincerely loving the Lord. I don't know if that's you. I don't know if you're sitting here right now going, but I'm doing all the right stuff. I did this, I did that. All like the guy who said, I did all these things in your name, Lord. Ron could have said that. In Ron's mind, he did say that for years. And we all believed it, watched him. Sure seemed like it. Wasn't true. Check your hearts, people, please. Check your heart. Who's first? What's most important to you? If you realize with everything that you do and everything that you think, it all comes back to you, check your hearts. In the beginning, God. So how do we do right when we zag. Now, I'm sure there's some people here who have no idea why I'm talking zigging and zagging. So let me clarify. At least in the army, I believe it's in other places, people have said, hey, man, you zigged when you should have zagged. 
you went this way, but you should have gone that way. Okay. So my point in using zigging and zagging, you will notice in the zig it's probably spelled, if you ever saw zig before, the way you thought it would be spelled. There is a small i in the middle of zig. And that's the problem with our lives when we put that small i in the middle of my life. I'm in the middle of that bowl. I am what I consider to be the most important. Now, when you look at zag, you'll notice it's spelled a little strangely. You might have thought it was a typo, but it was quite intentional to put a capital A there. The Alpha and the Omega. An awesome God. Amazing grace. When I put that first, when I make that the center of my life, things change. Then things start to get right. Take a look now, if you will. Colossians 1, verses 19 to 23. For in him, Jesus Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you me who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him if indeed you continue in the faith stable and steadfast not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I Paul became a minister Talk about a man who knew what it was to believe in the gospel to remain steadfast, stable. His life was anything but honoring God and he thought he was doing everything to honor God and was shown how wrong he was and got humble. Got humble and realized that our honoring God is not by the numbers. Our honoring God is not connecting the dots. Our honoring God is a condition of our heart. It's an attitude in the way we treat one another. Our honoring God is seeking God's pleasure, God's will, and following it. That's honoring God. Paul looked good to everybody except God. And God forgave him. And God prepared him to minister in his name. See, God reconciled for Paul what Paul could never have reconciled for himself. Reconciling by bringing back the harmony in the relationship that had been broken. As Paul continued to do things with God's word his way, Small h, that's Paul's way. He continued to put distance between himself and any possible relationship with God because he thought he had it. Been trained by the best of the best, Gamaliel. He knows God's word better than anybody. I know God's word better than he does. The student got better than the teacher. I really got this. 
he was zigging he was going the wrong way God met him in the midst of him going the wrong way stopped him in his tracks convicted his heart and turned him back to God reconciled that relationship with God restored harmony and peace in their relationship together and now Paul could say he served God Paul could say he honored God Paul could say he was putting God first in his life Paul is an example for us because as Paul done, did such atrocities he's being presented holy and beloved before the Lord God loves him because of Jesus Christ and all of what was done for Paul through the cross that Paul claimed is that is the only way I could be reconciled with you Lord thank you for that thank you for your amazing grace thank you for the faith that you give me in you not in me anymore in you thank you for that to have faith in what you did Thank you. Paul has harmony with God. That is what Jesus wants for each one of us. God's plan for each one of us is to have that harmony restored. Please look now in Colossians 3. You, you heard Nick read this earlier. Looking at 12 to 14. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Remember, he wanted to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before men, before God. Excuse me. So now, given that you have that relationship, given that you have been reconciled with God, now that relationship being right, now look what is possible because this relationship is right not because you're so capable and clearly not because I'm so capable but because God is so capable now I am able to put on as God's chosen ones holy, separated from the world and beloved, truly loved by God now I can have a compassionate heart kindness, humility, meekness and patience bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you so you must also forgive and above all these put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony in the garden there was blaming and blaming is going to destroy any relationship you're ever in So if you question that, just think of a relationship where somebody was blaming you for something and think of just how much you love spending time with them. As opposed to forgiveness. Forgiveness is the superhero of any relationship that you're in. And if you question that, just think of when you hurt someone and they forgave you, how that felt. 
So when you get caught up in the things that you see people doing in your lives that are just terrible, man, I got a ledger. As a matter of fact, I only have four pages to this in case you're worried. But it, 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 in, the, in the ledger that you might have against somebody for all the wrongs they've done to you, you could go through that ledger and go, wow, man, they, oh, man they, and they keep doing this stuff. I mean, I can't forgive that. So talking to your friends, that would be very understandable. If I was talking to God and I was to look at the volumes that he has of the things that I have done against him, the thought that I had that was about me, not him, the thought, the, the actions that I did that were satisfying my desires, not his design. If I, if I looked at the volumes that he had of my life, and I realized how forgiven I was. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And please, Lord, as I realize that, as I, as I take it to my heart, how much you've forgiven me, please don't let me be like the guy who turned from the king and walked outside and then gave scoldings to the man and threw him into prison because he owed him the ledger of all the things that I've got that I'm upset about this other person for. Whatever you have against any other person in your entire life is pittance, nada. It, it's meaningless compared to if God wanted to hold against you or me what he could come up with that we've done wrong. And we've been forgiven. So God is telling us, look, how our relationship works. Our relationship works. We've been reconciled because... I've forgiven you. I, I've forgiven you. My son paid it all. I've forgiven you. So as I want to look to somebody else, take what I've learned here and bring it there and forgive. If you do that, look what comes. 15 to 17. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. To which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with, thankful, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. There are sometimes we get so caught up in our complaints, in our frustrations, in our relationships, that to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms, songs, it's just, it just I, I am not in a singing mood. That's why we had such a wonderful message last week from Nick. It is critical in my relationship with the Lord that I recognize how blessed I am, how great thou art, Lord. When we sing songs like I bring, we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, and what does it cost you if everything's going great? 
There's no sacrifice there. The sacrifice is when things aren't going great and you come with praise, singing God's blessings. Thank you, Lord, for all you're doing in my life. Wait a minute, what about my list? Thank you, Lord, for helping me forget that list because it means nothing when I come back to my relationship with you. It just reminds me of what I've let get in the way of my relationship with you by letting that list get in my relationship with someone you love and you died for and you're willing to forgive if they turn their heart to you. Thank you, Lord. When you find yourself in that place that has nothing to praise God about, get on your knees. You have come first in your mixing bowl. If God was first in your mixing bowl, I'm sorry, if an Okinawan sweet potato is uh, top 10, what's God? God's got everything you would want. And I'm complaining? Maybe God's not in the mixing bowl. Like I said, you can have a full bowl and be missing the most important things. So how do I proceed to succeed when we get our priorities straight? Now I'm jumping to the last verse in the passage that I'm using, Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. If that's my focus, whatever I do, what does that mean, what do I do? Whatever you can come up with is what you do. The way you sit there right now. You're doing something. Are you doing it for the Lord or are you doing it for men? When Pastor Ron was here, he was doing it for men until he started doing it for the Lord. And then him sitting here was not for men. Him sitting here, he was doing heartily for the Lord. Whatever you're thinking, are you thinking it for the Lord or are you thinking it for yourself? Whatever the way you're talking to people that are close to you and around, are you doing it for the Lord or are you doing it for yourself? It's really basic when it says whatever you do. But God knows that we kind of get lost on the basics I mean, don't eat from this tree, and I ate from it. He kind of understands that we kind of miss these things sometimes. So he'll spell them out. And I, I really liked it when we were relearning the 23rd Psalm, and it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And, and, I, and I went, you know, done. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I, I really don't need to read any further because he's my shepherd. I'm going to not have a need for anything at any time because he's my shepherd. I just Lean on him, trust in him, it all goes good, we're done. I don't really need to le learn the rest of these passages. The problem is we get into things in our lives where that valley, the shadow of death, starts to feel kind of overwhelming. Or being in the presence of my enemies is like, uh, I don't, this, this isn't a good thing. I'm forgetting. He's my shepherd, I shall not want. So he spelled it out for us. Well, that's the same thing that he's done here. That last verse Whatever you do, work heartily 
as for the Lord and not for men, done. You'd be finished. But he spelled it out. So just in case you had a question of what did that mean, we've got verses 18 to 22 that led up to it. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. In case you didn't get what he meant by do everything. This is what he's talking about. Is it easy to do? Well, it, it, it's, it's not that it's easy to do. It's, it's practically impossible to do by yourself. But you see, you're in a relationship with God. You're never alone. You have the Holy Spirit to help you through anything that you go through. So, no, it's not easy for you to do. But it's part of His design to help you through it if you'll just get over your desire for how you'd like it to turn out. Are we letting the Word of Christ dwell in us richly? Do we spend time in the Word of Christ to have it even get a chance to germinate? That's what we're looking at. We're going back to that relationship with the Lord. For all of these things to work, it's based on my relationship with Christ. Then these things work. So I'm just going to take two of these because I could get into a whole message all by itself just on them. And this is only one Sunday message, not two. So. The husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Here's the difficulty. Having spent... I've been doing marriage and family counseling since 1977, right after I got out of school. I've been working with court-mandated cases for men who have been convicted of domestic violence since 1988. Working with men and listening to what they have to say about their wives one of the things that I become very clear on is that I don't know anything about their wives and I have no reason to think that their wives are these wonderful, sweet people that just do everything right and I can't understand why they got a problem. That would be silly of me. What I do know is that they're harsh with their wives. Someone else has looked at that and seen them to be abusive with their wives. Or is that someone else, that judge, always right? No. But when I look at the guy's attitude when they come to talk to me about their wives, I can see how a judge might think that. Because here's the problem. And I speak from experience. I am not happy to say the things that I will say. But the problem is, when I talk to my wife and I have no intention of being harsh and my wife is hurt by what I've said... And as I listen to my wife and I discover that the reason that she is hurt by what I said has to do with things that she has experienced in childhood and whatever other part of her life before she ever knew me, I go, well, that's not my fault. 
that, that, that's such a small way to look at what you know about me. That's me being first in my bowl. Because God said, don't be harsh with your wife. God did not say, don't be harsh with your wife in a way that makes sense to you. So if I'm going to not be harsh with my wife, and my wife is saying that was harsh, I need to go, wow, am I ever sorry? Help me understand that. I need to make a change. Because I would never want to do anything that hurts my wife, ever. The fact that it's unintentional, who cares? So if we're upstairs and I unintentionally bump into my wife and she falls off the stairs and down to the floor and breaks her back, I didn't mean that. I'm so sorry. I wish she hadn't been standing there. Really? That's what we do when we want to blame our wives for calling us harsh. When I came back from Vietnam as a sergeant and I was going to classes in college and I was talking in classes, just having a regular conversation like I'd had regular conversations all of my life, I would find people being a little put off by the way I was talking. I had no idea why. At that time, I also swore a lot. That could have been a part of it. In addition, I don't really need this mic. I have a loud voice. It worked great in the army. It does not really work well with other people that aren't in the army and have never been in the army or have were in the service and would rather forget that they were in the service and they don't need some loud type sergeant in their midst. So though I didn't intend it, the reality was it was felt, it was oppressive. And it made me very unpopular until I learned to modulate my voice out of respect for other people. We're back to the golden rule. We're back to how do you want to be treated. So that's me being harsh with my wife. There are so many things that come up from Vietnam that can throw me off so easily, so painfully, that would make no sense to my wife whatsoever. And when those things come up and I am thrown off and I am in pain, she, who never meant it, doesn't understand it, can't figure out why it's happening, doesn't go, you really need to get over that. That really wasn't that big a thing. So my point is, I pointed to husbands and wives. It works that way with wives to husbands. God didn't make it as clearly, but what God told wives to do is submit, honor, respect. My wife submits and honors and respects me, and I'm grateful. But she also comes to realize the things that are small to her are big to me. And that's what happens when you treat others as you, excuse me, as you wish to be treated. When you put others first. When you put God first and you see how much he's done for you, you come to realize why it's so important to put others first. It is important for every relationship that you have, married or not. 
So now, application. So what I would like you to see in the applications, I'm going to keep it really simple. Okay? Actually, we've already come up with three things that are the easiest things to remember. If you remember the three things, we don't even have to get to the ones that aren't up there anyway. So we won't have to even get to them. Because if you remember the three things we've already said, you go, okay, I got this. Quick, Nick, I saw that. So, the first thing is, one of the things we said in the very beginning, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If I get that, if I change my heart and my life and get out of my kingdom, get into his kingdom, get out of my will, get into his will, everything's going to change. I do not intend these applications to be hard for you to remember. In the beginning, God, That's it. Start your day. In the beginning, God. You're opening your mouth. In the beginning, God. A thought has come to your mind. In the beginning, God. Yeah, it, this is not intended to be a difficult thing, but it will take a lot of practice. Because too often my day begins with in the beginning, Bill. And the last one, whatever you do, Work heartily as for the Lord, bless you, and not for men. It's not that men aren't important. God is clear that men are important. It's that God is most important. God needs to come first. Work as though serving the Lord, not men. So ways you can do that. How is it that the word of Christ will dwell in you richly? Well, you need to spend time in the word of Christ. If you have a Bible devotional and you don't have a strong habit of reading and studying God's word, we've all been there. So don't, 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 that, that's okay. It's totally good. Actually, very good because you've got a devotional. You're already going in the right direction. Maybe read it. Start once a week. Work to a couple times a week. Get to once a day. It starts to become a part of what you do. Okay. If you don't have a devotional, but you spend time on the internet at all, you ever use a computer, there's some really simple apps that you can download that are absolutely free. They'll cost you nothing. And they have no pop-up ads. First one is Heartlight. Because Nick was already ahead of me. Heartlight fantastic. They will give you, among other things in there, they give you a lot of really nice, beautiful things to be able to read through and, and get you Christ-centered. They'll also give you a verse for today. And that verse will be just that, a verse. And it will also then give you a devotional. Really short. I'm not the world's fastest reader because I, I got too much rice in my head. So, but at, what I do is I can read through it and I'm done in five minutes. At the end of the devotional is, so I think the average person might take you 30 seconds to a minute to finish it. So the end of it is a prayer. If your prayer life is still being developed, this will help. If you're concerned about your prayer life, recognize that if you're opening up your heart to the Lord, you have nothing to be concerned about. But if you find your prayers are all focused back on you again, 
Ask the Lord to help you with that because maybe I'm not trusting him too much. <laughs> okay. But other than that, your prayer life is just talking to God. The next one, you version. You'll see many of us up here with our phones, our pads, and we're going through and we're finding all these different Bible verses and different translations. You version is one way to get these different Bibles without having to go to the store and pay them in. They're like, I don't know, 20 some, 40 some different translations in there. I mean, the top five are always easy to get. Real simple. But in addition, as opposed to having just two devotionals, they give you a whole slew of devotionals that you can be picking from. Some last two or three days, some last a week or two, a month or two, some can take you all year, and they're just short things. If you've never had a Bible reading plan, that's available in version too. There's so much that version has to offer, and it's free. There's absolutely no cost. Then the last one on here for the applications is... Uh, I have 102.9. That's not a strange zip code. That's a radio station here on Maui for K-Love. K-Love is nationwide. K-Love is an opportunity to listen to Christian music. Their ads are about Christ and what Christ is doing in his church. Their ads aren't about people wanting you to spend money doing not that kind at all. They bring up opportunities to pray. They give short spots of the news that are, again, all Christ-centered. Caleb's a great way to shift what you're putting in your head because if you're listening to the world's music, then you're listening to the way the world looks at relationships. And if you listen to the way the world looks at relationships, you've got to understand they don't work. So why would you want to keep having that go into your head? Well, it's beautiful music. I like the music. Okay, fine. But is that really what you want in your head? So if you're having difficulties in your relationships in any way, shape, or form, I would suggest to you, take a 30-day challenge and listen to Christian music. Nothing but Christian music. When you turn something else on and get into listening to it, start your 30 days over again. Just listen to some Christian music. So, those are three. Teresa's reminded me that Nick is also on another radio station, 7 o'clock in the evening. And I don't remember which one it is, but it's a Maui station. And it's playing Christian music. With that in mind, what I want you to think about is what Christ has said to us. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. God has paid for all you've ever done wrong and stands waiting for you to put him first so that he can help you with all your relationships. Just as I am without one plea, that thy blood was shed for me. And that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, thou wilt receive. Wilt welcome, pardon, cleanse, relieve. 
Because thy promise, I believe, O Lamb of God, I come. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we believe, Lord, and we come. We pray, Lord, as the father of the boy prayed, help our unbelief. And we are confident that you will. We thank you for your patience and our relationship with you. We ask you, Lord, to please help strengthen that relationship. Help draw us closer to you, to depend on you each moment of each day so that all that we do, all that we think, all that we say truly does honor you. And then, Lord, help us in our relationships with those around us. As we put you first, lead the way, Father. For it's in your Son, Jesus Christ's name, that we give you thanks and we pray. Amen.